January, we start a series called Seek, and it's where we just devote ourselves in the month of January to seeking God and his ways and his plans, what he would have us do for the new year. And we are going to do that. But this sermon, I think, sort of helps us start thinking that way. And so as I was looking at just sort of where we're at in life in these last couple weeks as Americans, just sort of how we spend the holidays, I begin to observe and notice that there's really kind of two camps of people. There are some people that are still like just squeezing the life out of 2019. They're just, they're just remembering the year and they're loving it and they're celebrating it and they're not that much like ready to tackle the new year yet. Then you got the other people that are like way ahead on the new year. Everything's journaled and highlighted and noted and sticky tabbed like their whole year is planned. How many know there's two different kinds of people and those two usually don't get along. <laughs> and so, and there's just two different kinds. And so what I noticed is it's funny how we spend our time in the things that we look at. And so even Christmas, oh, we just love Christmas. It's so great. And, and we got Christmas traditions and Christmas music. And we're spending these last couple of weeks like with our traditions and food and family. And we do gifts and we do all these kinds of things. And, and you get so excited looking at the things that are like practically in front of you. See, touch, feel like this is your reality. Gifts, presents, food, traditions, family, people, travel. Like you're like, this is life. But, you know, the scripture actually teaches us that this isn't our life. We're just passing through, right? So, so much of our emotion and our energy and our thinking and our life gets spent like on this stuff when Jesus is like, yeah, you're, you're passing through. This is dress rehearsal for like eternity, which really matters, right? And we do the same, same thing with 2020. We're like, all right, 2020 is time. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to make plans. I'm going to set goals. And we start looking at see, touch, feel, practical. We're going to pay off this bill and we're going to renovate this and we're going to go on this vacation and I'm going to spend this energy and we're going to have the right friends and get rid of the wrong friends. I'm going to stop seeing my mother-in-law as much and we're going to like, <laughs> that's not my list, but just kidding. I love my mother-in-law. She's here. I love her. And, uh, You've got all these plans, but it's see, touch, feel, it's practical, it's here and now. You're like, you're like, these are the things. But again, Jesus is saying, like, hey, don't this stuff passes away. Rust, moth, destroy. We spend so much energy on here, right? When Jesus, like all of the teaching about the kingdom, he's coming talking about kingdom, 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 like eternity, eternity. Because the reality is this morning, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And every decision we make today, every plan, whether we're still spending time on 2019 or we're looking into 2020, everything we do here now, see, touch, feel, experience, it's either populating heaven or emptying hell or spend it the other way. You're populating hell and, and emptying heaven, right? And I know none of you like to come here and hear that this morning, that nothing in your life matters. Your cars don't matter. Your house don't matter. Your kids don't matter. All that matters is heaven. <laughs> and I'm obviously not going to that degree. But I'm just saying the way that we focus and the things that we consider as Christians, it has got to be kingdom and heavenly minded. Uh, I grew up in church, and so I've been hearing my whole life how Jesus is coming back. Better get right. He's coming back. It's going to be a couple years. He's going to be back. And Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. It's not going to be long. And I've been hearing that my whole life. But I'm telling you, the amount of end time prophecies that are coming into fulfillment right now, I'm telling you guys, we got to get this thing right. That's a good place to say amen. <laughs> we don't look at the world and go, we don't, we don't take the time to look at the world and go like, oh, look how bad it's going. This is crazy. Look how bad the world is getting. What we ought to be doing as Christ followers is looking at the world and being like, man, look how bad it's going. We ought to do something about it. We shouldn't be sitting here, would you look at that? <laughs> Just look at it. 
Just look at that. Would you take a look at it? We ought to be going, hey, we got, we got some work to do, people. I don't care so much about my vacation and the da-da-da, my promotion and the da-da-da. We got to save some people. We got to see some people healed. Are you with me? And so I want to talk a little bit about that, is that what is our biggest call in our life, our biggest assignment is not the stuff of life. It's how we're spending time for eternity. Like, are you heavenly minded? Are you eternally minded? Or is the enemy duping us so great with all the stuff and distractions of this world that he's just sitting back laughing, like, look at them. They are doing nothing for the kingdom. They are so stinking busy and burnt out and tore up, and they're doing nothing for the kingdom. <laughs> is that it? Uh, my daughter got American Girl dolls for her birthday, Christmas kind of combo, and um, we financed them, hope to pay them off in a few years. <laughs> Pray for us. But... Uh, <laughs> So she's got these dolls, and what's been happening the last couple weeks since she's got these dolls is she's so focused on the dolls and all of their things that she's missing, like, her real purpose. So we need to go to ballet class, and before we go to ballet class, she's, like, getting all the things and gadgets and toys that go with it and the bag and the dolls and getting all their hair and all this stuff put together. And we get in the car. We start going down the road. She don't have her ballet shoes on. She don't have her leotard on. She's missed like the whole purpose of it all because she's so busy with all the stuff of the dolls. Are you with me? And we're doing the same thing in the kingdom of God. The, the, The thing of it all for us is to populate heaven and empty hell and God's assignment is for us to reach people. And we're just running around so busy with the dolls of stuff. We're not prepared for what we're actually assigned to do here. How many are with me? Well, what about this? And what about that? We're all consumed with all this stupid stuff and we're not heavenly minded. Are you with me? Nobody's with me. That's fine. I don't even care. It's a new year. I'll give you a new chance next year. That old saying of YOLO, like, you only live once. YOLO, you only live once. Some of you are like, that's what that means? I've been trying to figure it out. I just helped you today. Best thing you learn all day is what YOLO means. Don't say it anymore because they don't say it anymore. But YOLO, like, YOLO, you only live once. That's not true in the kingdom of God. You live twice. What you've been given here matters, but it matters because it's connected to the way that you're really going to live the second time. I'm talking about heaven in eternity. You say, oh, that's all just preacher speak. No, it's not preacher speak. Because the scripture says when you get to heaven, you're going to stand before God. Literally, I could, don't have the time, but I could literally explain to you how the books of life work. And one is an accountability about your life. And one is about what did you do with Jesus? But literally, when you get to heaven, there's going to be this, this conversation about, hey, what did you do in that first life that matters in this life? Because your car don't matter, your neighborhood don't matter, none of those things matter. What matters is what you did to get people into the kingdom. That's what it all boils down to. Are you with me? And so as we head into the new year, we need to consider, like, where are we spending our energy and our efforts and our thoughts and our conversations? Um, I got two new counselors the last couple weeks. Some of you are like, are you okay? I'm not okay. Uh, Like, what'd you get for Christmas? I'm like, two new counselors. I'm up to three. (laughs) That's not a lie. You're laughing. Like, he's funny. I'm not lying. (laughs) Uh, So, and so I'm meeting with these new, new guys in, uh, in, um, and so they're asking all your sort of first questions of like, like, what do you want to get out of life and all this kind of stuff? And um, like, you know, like, oh, oh, what's uh, and, you know, like, what's uh, like, what's some of the things that are bothering you? And I'm like, I'm like, well, hey, like, here's the deal. Uh, like, here's what's going on in my life. Here's the problem is like, I have to deal with Christians every day. <laughs> it's like the biggest problem in my life is I deal with Christians. <laughs> like most of my days are filled with Christians. <laughs> You guys are so uncomfortable. Does he mean that? I don't know. Let me get through a little more counseling. I'll decide if I still mean that. But what I'm trying to say is this, 
is uh, I'm, I'm meeting with his counselors, and it's all good, just so you know it's all good. And here's what I'll just say about counseling. If you in your life, say you and your spouse, or maybe you're single and you to yourself or you to your friends, uh, you, you say, uh, we're good. No, like we're good because the two of you or yourself, you agree that you're good. You're already not good. That's not a joke. If, if you're already like, oh, because we've decided everything's good and you don't have any wise counsel like scripture has told you to have, then you're already not good. Now say amen. Okay. So counseling is good. You should have counseling. You should have wise counsel. Here's what we do as Christians. Wise counsel is just we got a bunch of people in our life that go to our church that agree with us on everything. That's not wise counsel. Amen. All right, good. You guys are just, you guys are having fun with me today. I hope your Christmas parties are done because I got a lot to get to today. So. so my counselor said this to me. And just so you know, calm down. I'm fine. I just, I like getting help and growing and learning because here's what we believe. What got you here is not going to get you there. You should always be adjusting faith to faith, glory to glory. You need to get people in your life that help you make the hard adjustments. Uh, I read from my counselor, uh, they, one of my counselors, I have three because I got them for Christmas, is um, check this out. There's a book called Change or Die that you should all read. I've not fully read it yet, so there might be things in it that I don't agree with, so be careful. I'm not fully endorsing it. But here's the deal. When people are faced with the opportunity to change or keep doing what they're doing all the way unto their destruction, change or die, because if you keep doing what you're doing, you're, you're, it's going to fall apart. Do you know that 90% of people choose die? They can't get out of the cycle, the autopilot, the destruction. And so they're so unwilling to change. They're so stubborn. They're so, we got to figure it out that they actually choose death over change for life. Not crazy. I don't even know what I'm saying. So here's what I'm saying. What got you here can't take you there. So you're looking to go from faith to faith, glory to glory, always making these adjustments. So that's why I'm seeing a counselor and connected, not because I have too many Christians in my life. But my counselor said this to me, which is so good. If you don't define what your life is about, your problems will. If you don't define what your life is all about, your problems will define it for you. If you don't define what your life is about, your problems will. And I feel like that's what the church and that's what Christians are doing. We're not fighting for heaven. We're not fighting for the kingdom. We're not defining, you know what, in 2020, I'm going to be about the kingdom. I'm going to be about heaven. I'm going to be about eternity. Instead, we just let all the problems of our life define what we're participating in. Well, this kid wants to play sports and well, this kid wants to travel and we got to do this and we got to do this. So all of the other distractions of our life are defining what we're actually spending time on and we're missing populating heaven. How many are with me? So we have to sit down and decide like, what is life about? What is it about? Here's the deal. We are called to eternity over existence. We spend so much energy and effort on existence well, this is in front of me and this is in front of me and this is, I'm going to make this decision because it exists in front of me and I need to do it and I need to be a part of it. And, and they'll say this if I don't and they'll say that if I don't and they'll treat me like this. If All of these existence things are the reasons we do things when you're called to be a person about eternity. Amen. What are the kingdom eternal things that matter? Amen. And then that's how we make our decisions. That's how we set our goals. That's how we spend time with people. Amen. C.S. Lewis says it like this. It is since... It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so 
ineffective in this one. It's since we've stopped considering heaven and hell and eternity and the other thing. It's because we stopped thinking about those things that now we've become ineffective in our communities. We go around and we just turn our eyes away from our neighbor and we turn our eyes away from this need and we stop considering that all of these things are real kingdom needs that we're sent to be the answer to and caused us to be ineffective in our communities. Why is the population growing more de-churched and unchurched every single year in America? It's because we're not considering heaven and hell anymore. So for us, we got to take a look at, like, what do we have to do? What, do we, what adjustments do we have to make? And so, like, that's as far as I've got in a couple weeks is, what do we make decisions about? Like, what do we say? Hey, um, this distraction, that fire, this thing. Oh, we're going to make decisions based on, like, eternity and the kingdom, and that's what gets our energy and effort, and the rest of it will work itself out. Are you with me? You're lucky because I'm skipping about four pages right now. See that? Some of you that grew up in a five-hour-long church, I just skipped it. Here's how I'll close. I'll close with this. We got to make this decision about eternity matters, kingdom matters, heaven matters, emptying hell matters. I still believe, and you may call me old school, but I still believe that people who die and have not prayed the sinner's prayer and those who have not made Jesus Lord of their life, I believe because the scripture says it, that they are not in heaven. I believe, and you hate to hear that, but I believe that people still go to hell And that should make you crazy. But does it? And I'm not here to judge you and I'm not here to get on you. I'm just asking the question in my life. Is that what drives you crazy? Is that people in your community are going to hell? Or does it drive you crazy that your house isn't big enough and the kids aren't acting right and your husband doesn't do enough? Where is your emotional energy going? Is it going toward the things of the kingdom? Is it just going to the stuff of our world? So persecution matters. Like all of a sudden we start to have the conversation of like, oh, I want to empty hell and I want to populate heaven and I want to make a difference in the kingdom of God. But it's hard in this culture. It's hard with Christians being persecuted and it's hard to talk about my faith and it's hard to evangelize. And I know all of that is true, but I also know that there's a proper response to persecution. And we see it here in Acts chapter four, Herod and Pontius Pilate are having a conversation about Jesus and the, and the, the, the disciples and his followers and what they're going to do to them. And here's where we pick it up. Acts chapter four, verse 29 says this. So now Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. They're having this conversation about, do you hear their threats? Like those are powerful people. That's like the government. That's the world. That's like Hollywood. Look how they're talking about us. Like, look, look at those people. Do you, do you hear their threats towards us? But their response needs to be our response. They say, Hey, do you hear those threats? Because of those threats, Don't smite them. Don't get them. Don't protect us. Don't like shelter us and tell us we can go hide out. No, instead they say, because of those threats, will you empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously? So what I'm trying to say is, as the world pressures in and as things get harder and conversations are more complicated in our culture, What we don't do is we don't back down. Instead, we ask God to empower us all the more so that we can speak of the gospel freely and courageously. Somebody say amen. He says this, stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders. I love Bill Johnson because he says this. He says, what's a sign and a wonder? A sign is something that happens that causes people to wonder. 
oh my gosh, that is crazy. That could only be God. How did that happen? That must have been supernatural. Like, wow. So I believe that God still wants to pray for the sick and see him healed and marriages restored. All those, right? All those heaven kingdom things we ought to be pursuing, not retreating. So their, their prayer, their desire is, hey, stretch out your hand. Give us the ability to, through you, heal and move in signs and wonders so that by your name, or by your name, Jesus. So our thing is, as it gets harder and more complicated, and how are we going to navigate it? The prayer is, God, just give us more power. We're not going to retreat. We want to continue to advance your kingdom. And then Mark chapter 10, verse 29 gives us this promise. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one, that means no one, who has left brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, fields, for me and for the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's fields, but it says, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. This is the promise of this scripture. This is why it emotionally gets me every time, is this. Every sacrifice you make, every pain, every discomfort, every what you consider to be a loss or uh, uh, whatever, whatever you're giving up for the gospel's sake, it says mother, brother, sister, whatever scenario, maybe you leave a job to follow God, whatever your thing is, whatever you feel to be a loss, the scripture is saying heaven notices that and make sure you get repaid. That's good news, you guys. Every time we're like, oh no, I gotta pay attention to this and you worry about this of the world and this of life and oh, what about this and this? Every time that you give, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about conversation, I'm talking about love and extending and forgiving and all the times that you do something that's eternally minded, God is saying, don't worry, I got your back on that. Yeah, there's gonna be persecution and there's gonna be rough times in it, but I got your back on it. And then he also says, not only here, but also in that age to come, it's gonna be sweet. Are you with me? Because heavenly minded is what we're called to be. Heaven and earth, it rusts, it rots, it destroys. It, it's not, we're just passing through, amen.